the Bible, the Word of God. This is our basic source about who God is, who Jesus Christ is, why Christ came, how much God loves us, about his death, his burial, his resurrection, how we can know God personally, what the future holds, about Christ coming back. All is contained in this marvelous book. For several sessions, we have looked at just the New Testament. And briefly, we've looked at the evidence. Is it historically accurate? Is it reliable? And as I shared in the evidence, I concluded there is more evidence for the historical reliability of the New Testament than any 10 pieces of classical literature combined. But what about the Old Testament? What about the manuscript authority? What about the accuracy of the Old Testament? We want to take just one session and look at the Old Testament. Now again, you're going to have to listen carefully or you will miss the significant comparison between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Now, and this is why I say it. When it comes to the New Testament, the abundance of manuscripts, the multitude of manuscripts adds to the conviction that what we have today is what was written down 2,000 years ago and that what was written down was true. And we can come to that conclusion with greater confidence because of the abundance of the manuscripts we have. However, with the Old Testament, in comparison, there's hardly any manuscripts when you look at the Old Testament with the New Testament. There's only a handful of Old Testament manuscripts. However, the lack of Old Testament manuscripts in no way takes away from the conviction that the Old Testament is true. You say, now, wait a minute. You're double talking there. You're trying to tell me that the abundance of manuscripts of the New Testament confirms its accuracy, but the lack of manuscripts of the Old Testament in no way takes away from its accuracy. It sounds like you heard me right. You say, well, how can you say that? It sounds like you're, you're um, kind of fudging, as we would say in English. You're, n you're not really telling the whole truth. Well, the reason is the way that the Old Testament was so reverenced by the Jewish people and what they did to instill the accuracy or to protect the accuracy and integrity of the scriptures. The Jewish people did something that no one else of history ever came close to doing. And I think the reason is there's probably no one in history, a group of people, that so respected and held in such high reverence and holiness and honor any scriptures as the Jewish people did the Old Testament. So let me walk through with you why I say the lack of manuscripts does not take away from what we have and to see the reverence of the Jewish people of their scriptures. The oldest complete copy of the Old Testament is the Leningrad manuscript copied around 1008 AD. In other words, almost 2,000 years removed from the Old Testament to where we have the first complete copy. However, that long distance does not take away from the accuracy of what we have. And the reason is, 
the Jewish people so reverenced the scriptures that they developed a group of professional people known as scribes. In Ezra 7, verse 6, it says that Ezra was a skilled scribe. And then they had the Talmudic scribes, the Masoretic scribes down through history. And these were a special group of people who were trained professionally to transcribe the scriptures accurately. And they wanted to be so careful that they never, ever made a mistake. Or if they did, they would catch the mistake that they made. Let me give you, just historically, some of the things that the scribes did to guarantee the accuracy of the Old Testament. These scribes, first of all, when they copied, they had to use a scroll that was taken from the skin of a clean animal that had been purified. Second, that scroll had to be prepared in a special way by a Jew in the synagogue for it ever to be used. Then the string that they used to tie the scroll together had to be the string, leather string, from a pure uh, sheep or a clean animal. Now, when they would start to write, they used a specially prepared type of ink. In the Old Testament, a scribe would be alone in the room. In the New Testament, when they would transcribe the manuscripts, there might be seven, eight, ten uh, copiers in a room, and then they had a person that went around and checked and double-checked the manuscripts. But there were many in a room. But in the Old Testament, there was one person. They had to be ceremonially dressed because they so reverenced the scriptures. They had to use a copy that they copied from that had been verified to be accurate in all details. They would start to copy the scriptures. When they would copy between every consonant they could not touch, there had to be the distance of a hair between each consonant. There could only be so many consonants to a line and so many lines per every foot of the scroll. And then when they copied, they could not copy from memory. You say, what do you mean? Well, most of the time you and I copy from memory. For example, let's say I'm copying my uh, notes here. And I would start writing out these scribes. I'd write these scribes. Followed strict discipline. Followed strict discipline. That's how you and I would write from memory. In other words, these scribes, from memory then, I would take that and write out the words. The Jewish scribes didn't do that. They had to transcribe everything letter by letter by letter. Now think of this, over a million consonants. And this is how they would do it. T, T, H, H, E, E. S, S, E, E, these. Letter for letter for letter, they had to transcribe the entire Old Testament. Or say, take a book like Isaiah, 60-some chapters. That way, they were guaranteed they weren't doing it from memory. They could double-check themselves. Now, when they so reverenced the Scriptures, that when they would often come to the name for God they would put down their pen, 
ceremonially wash their hands. Then they'd pick up a special quill. And for the main name for God, they would give the consonant of that name for God, but they would put in the vowels of another name for God later when the vowels were added within those consonants. And it made no sense. That's how we got the word Jehovah or Yahweh. It was what's called a tetragrammaton. It's the consonants of one name for God and the vowels for another name for God. And so when they would read the scriptures, they knew that it was this name that spoke of the holy righteousness of God, but they'd always quote the name of God that the vowels were put in. And every Jewish person knew that was happening. But here again, it just shows how much they reverence the scriptures. In fact, if they were writing the name for God and a king walked into the room, that scribe could not look up and honor that king's presence until they had finished writing the name for God. And I remember once we did a video of this uh, a number of years ago, and we brought in a rabbi to act as a scribe. And we videotaped him uh, transcribing the scriptures. But you know what happened? When it came to the name for God, even today, he would not write out the entire name for God because he thought it would be irreverent to do it. That is how even today they so reverence the scriptures. They would finish, say, the entire book of Isaiah, 60-some chapters. Then they would do this. They would go back and they would count every single word and indicate the center word because they knew out of the entire book of Isaiah what was a center word. Then they'd go back and they would count every single consonant and indicate the center consonant. Then they would go back and they would count every single time each consonant was used. And when they finished, now think of this, they could tell if they had added or left out a single consonant and what consonant it was. They were that committed to make sure that when they transcribed the scriptures, it was accurate. Now, if they had made more than two mistakes that they had to correct, in other words, the third mistake, they could not use the manuscript. If they had to make more than three corrections, in other words, two mistakes was okay. Third mistake, they could not use a manuscript. And what they did was this. They had a wooden cupboard called the Genitza. And the Genitza was kind of the storage place for old manuscripts that couldn't be used anymore or manuscripts where errors had been made in them. So they would take and place these manuscripts in the wooden cupboard called the Genitza. And when the older manuscripts that they copied from got too old to use in the synagogues, they would use them in the Sunday schools for a while, of the synagogue schools. And then when they were too old, they not only didn't want to miscopy, they didn't even want to misquote the manuscripts. So they would take the old manuscript and they would place it in the wooden cupboard. And when that wooden cupboard was full, they would take it out and bury it. And the reason we don't have a lot of the old manuscripts of the Old Testament is that they were buried on purpose so they wouldn't be misread or anything. 
But the lack of those manuscripts in no way takes away from the authority of what we have because they went through such painstaking care to make sure that they were accurate. Now, what has often happened? Historically, we've dug up manuscripts and said, look, there's an error here. And then later, some little scholars were a little embarrassed because they realized they had dug up a Ganitza. They had dug up a burial area for manuscripts that had errors in them. No other group of people have been so committed to the truth of Scripture as the Jewish people. In fact, when they would finish a manuscript, they would count everything they could to guarantee that that manuscript is an exact duplicate of the one they were copying from. In fact, they used to call them the counters. And they used to say the greatest joy of the day is when they finish counting. And then the phrase used to go around that these people would count everything that they could count to determine the accuracy. That is why we don't have a lot of the Old Testament scrolls like we do with the New Testament. However, the lack of those scrolls in no way takes away from what we have. Why? Because of the careful attention they gave to transcribing the scriptures. Then, the accuracy of transcribing the names, the spelling of the names, and the historical chronology, the accuracy of it, is confirmed by a man by the name of Dr. Robert Dick Wilson. He is one of my heroes in life. Let me give you some of the background and what he discovered. At 25 years old, Robert Dick Wilson believed that he would probably live to be 70 years old. In other words, he had 45 years to live for Christ. So he made this pact to God that the first 15 years he would study all the necessary languages to become an expert of the Old Testament. Then the next 15 years, he would spend 15 years, night and day, studying the text of the Old Testament. Then the next 15 years, he made a commitment to God. They would write and speak defending the scriptures. Now what happened? He lived that 45 years. Now think of this. He mastered, not just learned, he mastered 45 languages and dialects. Almost every single language historically that was significant to the Old Testament and checking out its accuracy. He read the New Testament in nine languages. He memorized the entire New Testament in Hebrew. Syllable for syllable, he memorized it all in Hebrew. Now, this is what Robert Dick Wilson discovered. In the Old Testament, there's 29 names of ancient kings. Now, there's more than that, but there's 29 of them that are not only mentioned in the Old Testament, but also been discovered on monuments going back to their times. So you see what I'm saying here? 29 kings that are not only listed in the Old Testament, but they've also been discovered on monuments. There are 195 consonants in these 29 names of kings. Now, you've got to realize 
some of these kings go back 4,000 years. Now, these 29 kings and the 195 consonants that make up their name, this is what they discovered. Robert Dick Wilson saw that only three consonants are in question. Not three names of kings, only three of the consonants. Now, think of this. Through 4,000 years of transcribing their names. Now, of these 29 kings, they are from Egypt, Israel, Moab, Damascus, Tyre, Babylon, Assyria, Persia, others. Ten different countries, 29 kings. All 29 of the kings were spelled right, listed in the exact chronological order, and assigned to the exact country that the monuments show. You say, well, that's nice, Josh, but what does it show? I have always learned one thing. The more I compare the Bible with other literature of antiquity, the greater appreciation and admiration and respect I have for the Word of God. So let's do a comparison here. Compare with the greatest scholar of his age, the librarian, librarian at Alexandria, Egypt, in 200 B.C. You go back and read about him, and he was considered the number one scholar in the world. He compiled a catalog of the kings of just Egypt, not 10 countries, just one country, his own country. A catalog in 200 B.C. of the kings of Egypt, 38 in all. Of these 38 kings, only three or four at the maximum are even recognizable through the years of translation. Not only not recognizable, many of them are not even spelled correctly. Then he also made a list of the kings of Assyria in which only one case, you wouldn't even know it was the kings of Assyria if there weren't other references around saying what it was. Only one of the kings can be seen for who it is. And that one is not even spelled correctly. Or take Ptolemy, who drew up a register of the eight of 18 of the kings of Babylon. Not one of them is properly spelled of all 18. You could not make them out if you did not know from other sources who they were referring to. And yet with the Bible, 29 kings of Egypt, Israel, Moab, Damascus, Tyre, Assyria, Persia, etc. Every single one of them spelled right. Only three consonants, not names, only three of the 195 consonants even in question. And they're given their exact country and chronological order. That is nothing short of being miraculous. But what it shows is the accuracy and the painstaking care that these Jewish scribes took in copying the Old Testament. Oh, men and women, there is no comparison in history to the accuracy and the commitment of the scribes in recording the Old Testament. And there's an, another uh, good illustration historically of the accuracy of these scribes. Let me show you what I mean. 
a number of years ago, about 1947, there were three cousins. One of them was named Juman Mohammed. They were out going through the hills near an old community called Qumran. The Qumran was a community that existed from about 100 BC to 68 AD. And the sect the Jewish sect called the Essenes lived there. And what happened? The 10th Roman Legion came around 68 AD. And the Essenes knew they were going to destroy the community of Qumran. So they went and hid all their scriptures in the caves around the Qumran community. And they hid all their documents on the community and they fled. They sealed up the caves and camouflaged them so you couldn't tell where they were. And they were left that way for almost 2,000 years. Well, these two uh, Arab shepherd boys, cousins, were out there wandering one day. And one of them, Jamal Muhammad, climbed up on one of the cliffs and all, and he threw a stone. He was just playing around like a kid, threw a stone. Now, it was out in all sand, and all of a sudden he heard a kind of a clink. And something broke. And he thought, I wonder what that was. And he went over. And what happened was, one of these caves that had been sealed up started to open up again. And a stone had gone through and hit a large clay jar that contained scrolls. Well, this young Muhammad here thought that there were evil spirits or something. So he ran down the hill and told his cousins what happened. Well, it's getting late in the day, and they thought, well, tomorrow we'll get up all three of us together and go up there because there must be a big treasure. And their little minds told them there was all this gold and coins and everything that they would find. Well, the next morning, Jaman Muhammad woke up first. Instead of waking up his two cousins, he decided to go get the treasure himself. And he climbed up there and he looked in and he saw what had happened. And he went down and told his cousins. His cousins beat up on him because they thought he had taken and hidden the real treasure. Well, they took these scrolls. That, they didn't know they were scrolls. They were just kind of ugly green sticks with, with uh, uh, kind of the skin of animals and mold that had kind of formed around it. So they took these, and they beat their sheep with them and took them back to the village. And they told one of the people in the village what had happened. And to make a long story short, they ended up in the hands of a professional because they found out they were scrolls. And one of the scrolls they found was a complete copy of Isaiah. Now this bridged a thousand year gap in transcribing the scriptures. And what they did was take the scroll that we have, the last complete scroll of Isaiah, and they compared it with one that had been transcribed a thousand years earlier. And when they compared the two, the under-librarian at Cambridge University in England said, the comparison was a little short of being miraculous. In other words, through a thousand years of transcribing, when they could bridge that and compare it with an earlier scroll, it was so exact, they said that this had to be miraculous. Now, one thing the Dead Sea Scrolls did was confirm that these Jewish scribes that we have looked at were very accurate in the way they transcribed the scriptures. 
Now, that has been very brief. In my book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, I go into a lot more detail in both the Old and New Testament. But when it comes to the New Testament, I believe we can hold it in our hands and say, it is accurate, it is true. They were so careful in transcribing it. And I think almost every time that I read the Old Testament, I thank God for the dedication of those scribes who worked night and day to guarantee both in the Old Testament and then later in the New Testament that we have the very word of God. We in four sessions have looked at a, a lot of the evidence for the historical accuracy and integrity of the scriptures. But I pray that this would do two things. One, it'll give you a greater confidence in the Bible that we have what God gave us. But second, I trust because of what I have shared that you will even be more motivated on your own to do two things. One, to read and study the Bible, the very Word of God. And then to check out even more its historical accuracy and reliability. And I would encourage you to read Evidence That Demands a Verdict, the book that uh, took me 13 years to write to help people like you to appreciate the Word of God, the resurrection, the deity of Christ even more.